Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. Uh, so today, we are going to be talking all about the Transformers Universes Beyond that's going to be included in the Brothers War set boosters, collector boosters, and bundles. Uh, so this is a set of 15 cards. They're all double-sided as they convert from one side to the other. Notes that they do not transform. Um <laughs> But before we get into all these cards, which are all legendary creatures and thus all potential commanders, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits, including ad-free episodes for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's jump right into this. Uh, Do you want to kick us off with the first of these Transformers commanders? Yeah, so I guess let's just go in Wooberg order, like like normal. So, um, there is, uh, well, yeah, I just, I'll get into it. It's going to be like a a book on each side. <laughs> so this is Prow Stoic Strategist. This is a three three legendary artifact creature robot for four mana, three and a white. Um, so it has. I'm going to do it this way. So uh, Prowl has, whenever Prowl attacks, exile up to one other target tapped creature or vehicle. For as long as that card remains exiled, its owner may play it. Uh, And whenever a player plays a card exiled with Prowl, you draw a card and convert Prowl. Um, So there's also this cool mechanic all of these cards are going to have, which is called More Than Meets the Eye, uh, which is basically an alternate cost. Uh, so Prowl's more than meets the eye is two and a white, so three mana value. If you pay three, it enters as its backside instead of its front side. So what is the front side? Or that's the front side. What does the backside do? Prowl Pursuit Vehicle is the backside. It's a two-three artif- legendary artifact vehicle uh, with an ability called Living Metal. So as long as it's your turn, this vehicle is also a creature. Um, and it has whenever another creature or vehicle enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on Prowl. If this is the second time this ability has resolved this turn, convert Prowl. So you, all of these are going to kind of be little games on like, how do I flip them back and forth? How do I do the thing to make the thing happen? And they all kind of push you to build in a certain way. So Prowl on the backside, the pursuit vehicle, you are trying to get creatures to enter the battlefield to make prowl bigger to flip it back to the front side where you can exile things uh target tapped creatures you know uh and then when that happens when a player plays a card from exiled you're gonna flip them back to the car so you're gonna have to put stuff back into play and etc etc so um what does this deck look like nick (laughs) this is crazy (laughs) uh so i think it's mostly a blink engine um one thing I would look to do in this deck is, of course, run a lot of the ETB creatures with useful abilities, um, Skyclave Apparition, Solitude, that kind of thing. Uh, and then I would also look to find ways to easily tap my creatures. So tossing in like a Springleaf Drum um, or a Holdout Settlement, uh, some of those other lands that allow you to tap creatures to add mana, just make it really easy to guarantee that... Um, like, even if I play something that turn, I'll be able to have it as a potential target for Prowl to blink. Um, so that's something I would focus on. I, I don't think, like, the 
uh, I think that the second half, the Prowl Pursuit vehicle is a little bit easier to flip and also just like less useful overall. Um, but fortunately, like many of these designs, the two abilities kind of feed into each other. Like when you are after you convert Prowl uh, or like if you have multiple cards in exile with Prowl, you can then like play them and then switch it back to the stoic strategist side. Uh, also, you can look to double up on some of these exile triggers. So if you have like a a astronic resonator, you can exile multiple things. Um, let me see. Are there I'm trying to think if there's any hate bears that kind of align with this ability that either like get value or prevent your opponents from casting things from exile. That's a great question. Okay. So Ariel, well, so Dranith magistrate is the, the easy one. So that's just a way to like keep things in exile for as long as Dranith magistrate remains on the board. And then, uh, and then fortunately Dranith magistrate is of course asymmetrical so it'll keep your opponent's stuff out there, but it'll allow you to continue blinking your stuff or at least like recasting your stuff from exile. And then there's also Aerial Extortionist. Mm-hmm. So this is a new card from the new Capenna Commander decks. Um, and it has a similar ability, like when it enters the battlefield or deals combat damage to a player, exile up to one target non-land permanent. Then for as long as that card remains exiled, its, its owner may cast it. And whenever another player casts a spell from anywhere other than their hand, draw a card. So Aerial Extortionist will double up the card draw triggers offered by your commander. So worth considering, both of these cards work pretty well with Prowl's abilities. Anything else, any other tech you want to call out while we're on this guy? Not that, not off the top of my head. I think uh, the Extortionist was pretty much the only one that I would have said other than this, like, there's like funny things that you can run in this deck because it's like technically a vehicle deck, like a uh, caught in the brights, things like that, that ends up like becoming exile spells. <laughs> so <laughs> there's not like necessarily good tech, but it's like if you're into running cards or like having cards be good in certain decks when they're not in others, uh, that's something else to think about. But other than that, this seems like, a, like a funny take on a blink deck you know like i'm actually like pre- there's a lot of blink decks out there and this one seems pretty fun to play so mm-hmm. uh, i'm i'm pretty into it so do you want to move on to the next one do you want to get through this yes. uh, <laughs> wild ride <laughs> yeah uh so this is ratchet field medic it's two and a white for a two four legendary artifact creature robot with lifelink Whenever you gain life, you may convert Ratchet. When you do, return target artifact card with mana value less than or equal to the amount of life you gained this turn from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. And it has more than meets the eye. If you uh, play it for that cost, which is one and a white, then it comes in as Ratchet Rescue Racer. Uh, Ratchet Rescue Racer is a 1-4 legendary artifact creature, or sorry, just legendary artifact vehicle. It has living metal, so as long as it's your turn, this vehicle is also a creature. It has lifelink, and whenever one or more non-token artifacts you control are put into a graveyard from the battlefield, convert Ratchet. This ability triggers only once each turn. All right, so when I see this, I think about cards that kind of trigger both halves of the, or like 
are able to trigger either half of this card and which get you some sort of value in the process. So the things that came to mind are like Golden Egg, Arazka Relic, Implements of Improvement, Potion of Healing. All of these are cheap little artifacts that are able to sacrifice themselves in order to both gain you life and draw a card. So when you do the sacrificing, uh, Ratchet Rescue Racer will trigger and you are able to convert Ratchet before the ability resolves. Uh, And then when you gain the life from the ability resolving, then you can convert Ratchet Field Medic back to Rescue Racer. So and then Ratchet Field Medic will, of course, return the artifact back to the battlefield. So basically, you can only for most of these, you can only do this once per round of turns because unfortunately ratchet uh when it reanimates artifacts it returns them to the battlefield tapped so you can't just like i sat golden egg on your turn bring it back with ratchet i sat golden egg on your turn i bring it back with ratchet you can't do that over and over um but it is like a pretty good mana sink and source of card draw over multiple turns and some of them you can or at least one of them you can do every turn which is implements of improvement you can just keep sacrificing that it doesn't matter that it's tapped and you draw a ton of cards and gain a bunch of life and annoy your opponents a bit. Um, so I think this is a pretty fun deck. It's a sweet life gain reward. It reminds me a lot of um, Celestine, the living saint from the new Warhammer 40 K decks. Oh yeah. Uh, but I think this is a, a pretty neat list. I, I just wish it was easier to tutor in a white color identity. Um, mm mm-hmm. Unfortunately, like, you know, Implements of Improvement is the best card in this deck, but you're really not, you're definitely not going to see it every game. Yeah, um, and Oswald is only, like, one card in the 99. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that's it's not going to happen too often. But there are just, like, a lot of fun, cheap artifacts to get back, a lot of good life gain rewards in this color identity. So we have a list in the episode description if you want to check it out. Another really fun one I want to call out is Bottle Gnomes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, Bottle Gnomes, classic magic card. Uh, it's three cost artifact creature gnome. It's a one three and it has sacrifice bottle gnomes. You gain three life. So this is something that it doesn't matter that it come, if it comes in untapped or if it comes in tapped or untapped. So you can just keep sacrificing this once per turn on each round of turns. Uh, and gain like a ton of life and keep bringing it back over and over. Um, So that's just a nice little loop you can do with this commander. And of course you can run things that like trigger off of your creatures dying or your artifacts dying. Like scrap trawler is really, really good in this deck. If you're going through that bottle gnomes loop, then you also get to keep bringing back your cheaper like eggs. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think this is a, fun commander a lot to do with it um i enjoy playing like mono white dirtily value decks so this is pretty sweet yeah yeah that's true i I like that a lot of the um life gain rewards are like pretty easy to get in this deck too so your like book of exalted deeds is also an artifact and deals with gaining life like you're like valkyrie harbinger so a lot of the good like life gain rewards that we have in mono white also like fit pretty well into this deck too. So mm-hmm. it's, it's cool. I, yeah, I, I really like uh ratchet and now we're into the first blue, the only blue guy, I guess. Can I read off uh jet fire? <laughs> yeah, go for it. So jet fire, the front side is ingenious scientist, uh, which is a three, four 
a legendary artifact creature robot for five mana, four and a blue. So the more than meets the eye cost is four. So I'll, I'll bring that up again. It's three and a blue. But the ingenious scientist has flying and remove one or more plus one plus one counters from among artifacts you control. Target player adds that much colorless. This mana can't be spent to cast non-artifact spells converge at fire. So you get you can remove counters to make colorless power stone mana, basically. You can only use it on the same kind of things power stones would use. Uh, so the more than meets the eye is four. So what do you get if you pay four instead of five? You get a three, four flyer. You get Jetfire Air Guardian, uh, who is a vehicle with living metal. So on your turn, it's a three, four flyer. On everyone else's turn, it's just kind of <laughs> sitting there. And uh, it has blue, 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 convert Jetfire, then adapt three. So if you remember this oh-so-favorite fan, you know, fan-favorite mechanic from, what was it? It was uh, Ravnica... Allegiance. Allegiance. It was yeah. It was like the second. Yeah. Return to return to Ravnica. Yeah. Uh, Simic mechanic. mechanic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so adapt is if this creature has no plus one plus one counters on it, put this many plus one plus one counters on it, and so Jetfire has three. So uh, if you pay four for Jetfire Air Guardian, you get a three four flyer. Uh, you can pay three to convert it. Uh, and you get a 6-7 flyer, uh, and then you have the activated ability to remove those counters to add colorless. Uh, and if you do, you go back to the, the vehicle side, but you end up with three mana to cast on artifacts and whatnot. So it's kind of this like way to flip it back and forth um, between the two sides. So uh, with all of that said, what is the tech? What is this deck want to do what are the cards i'm going to want to play what, what's so, going on here so the absolute best thing you can do with this deck is to get a phyrexian devourer out on the battlefield and i'm gonna i'll read this card and then i'll explain some of the rules interactions you got to know to understand how this works um so phyrexian devourer is six mana for an artifact creature phyrexian construct when its power is seven or greater sacrifice it and you can exile the top card of your library to put X plus one plus one counters on Phyrexian Devourer, where X is the exiled card's mana value, and its base power and toughness are 1-1. One, one. Basically, like the way this card, I mean, this is a common combo piece, uh, works really well if you can get its activated ability and a Triskelion's activated ability on the same creature. Um, but a couple things to note about it. So like when Phyrexian Devourer's power is 7 or greater, sacrifice it. The way that ability works is it only triggers once and like as long as one of those triggers is on the stack it doesn't keep triggering um because if it did then it would just tie the it would just draw the game it would just trigger infinitely every time every time it was on the battlefield so you can do a lot of things in response to that ability uh and basically what you're going to be doing is have you have Phyrexian Devourer out. You have Jetfire Ingenious Scientist, the front half out. So you exile the top seven cards of your, um, of your or you exile the top card of your library, put some counters on Phyrexian Devourer, and then Jetfire specifies that you can remove counters from among artifacts you control. So you can remove the counters from Phyrexian Devourer to add a bunch of mana. And even if you hit something that would push Phyrexian Devourer's power uh, to seven or greater, 
uh, you can just respond to that sacrifice trigger and just keep activating it, pit, keep putting more counters on it, keep removing them to jet fire. Um, just be aware that you have to do, in addition to doing all of this in response to uh, the sacrifice trigger, you also have to do it um, in response to jet fire's ability. Like you can't actually touch the colorless mana until you're done exiling cards from your library because uh, you want to do all this while Jetfire is on his front half and the convert part of his ability hasn't resolved yet. So uh, you're assuming you do all this, um, you know, keep doing this in response to Jetfire's ability, keep doing this in response to Phyrexian Devourer's ability, uh, then you get infinite Power Stone mana. And there are some neat ways to use that in this color identity. You just have to be aware that you're, this is, well, okay, infinite might be misleading. Yeah. <laughs> because you are limited by the total mana value of all cards in your library. And so some win conditions, like if they're not efficient enough, won't actually work for you. So you're going to have to actually like look at the average mana value of your deck and like multiply it out. And if there's 80 cards in your library, will I have enough mana to win with, say, a walking ballista or a goblin cannon or a rocket launcher? Something like that. Um, you also. So basically, like I haven't I probably should have done a little bit more research. I haven't figured out like what the most efficient win con is for a ton of power stone mana. Uh, but I think like if you, I mean, if you have, yeah, the, I, I think off the, I did like some back of the envelope math and I think it's not too hard to make it so that your deck is going to have like 120 to 150, yeah. like mana value worth of stuff in it. Mm -hmm. um, but just be aware that like, if you get milled a bunch or if, you know, you draw most of your expensive stuff in the early turns of the game and it's no longer in your library, then it'll be more difficult to win. Although, of course, you know, if your opponents are beating each other up, then you might have a little bit more leeway. But it's not infinite, so you do have to be somewhat careful in how you're planning your deck and how you're playing the game. If there was some card that cared about things transforming, then this would probably let you win from that <laughs> yeah but there's not anything because that's the main trigger that you're getting off of this guy so i think what ends up happening is like is this just a like a thassa's oracle deck where you like burn through your deck real quick well walking ballista will work provided you have enough, enough mana, mana yeah. value you could, I mean, you could go for Thassa's Oracle that, uh, I just figured like it's easier to search out a walking ballista in a blue color identity than it mm -hmm. is to get your Thassa. Cause if, you know, unlike a lot of, unlike some combos, like if the Thassa is in your library, you're screwed. Yeah. Yeah. You have to um, have it in hand. Yeah. But there's like multiple artifacts that can win the game at like a two to one well, oh, actually, like 120 doesn't do it because, like, with a walking ballista, you need like 240. Yeah. So you gotta you gotta put in a little effort. You might need to swing in with your six four a few times <laughs> before <laughs> you can you can combo off, which is pretty silly. Well, actually, I I well, okay. Let me let me devil's advocate here though. 
if you have the really you only need a 40 40 walking ballista because once you have once you like have a gun to each of your opponent's heads individually um oh <laughs> that's <laughs> i guess that's true that's pretty funny uh then it'll certainly buy you some time to uh find another win con and yeah. unless somebody wants to be a hero but uh <laughs> an, an economist would say that you've won from that position but uh yeah but humans don't always uh behave in their own self-interest yeah that's so funny um i guess the last thing is there. i guess you could prosperity and kill most people uh but how do you well actually here's what you could do um so prosperity wouldn't do it because it's power stone mana but um what is okay what's the wording on mines aglow oh that's great mines i think that works because like the way the newest karn is worded is like pay any amount of mana so you can use it's designed to allow you to um use power stone mana on that yeah i think it works so you can mines aglow um with your mana and then just hopefully find some way to win from there you can also just like um stuff your deck full of artifact combo pieces i get although if you yeah that's not even that that's anyway. not i mean yeah you, you could always just put in like a staff of domination and then like oops i win here <laughs> instead well, well i can do again you're not doing infinite staffing you're uh just a bunch of them you could also one yeah. thing you could do um is like convert the mana into a more something more useful um like you know if you have a gemstone array or something oh yeah yeah save it up yeah yeah just like put it into pass it through this artifact so that you can uh actually do things with it (laughs) it's funny (laughs) i always try to play gemstone array and i'm always upset with it i'm like this is only good if i'm like actually comboing right now Mm -hmm. which is so funny because if you just cast it you're like that was my turn like (laughs) come on like so funny yeah i guess there's like stonework pack beast offers basically the same functionality for a better rate yeah Um, yeah just gotta use it in the moment well mm -hmm. yeah it's it's funny it's cool i do really like jet fire um Anyway, we should probably move on to the next guy. Do you want? Oh uh, yeah, sorry. It's okay. Um, do you, do let's you want me to, Do you want to talk about this guy, or do you want me to read e- read this text? You go ahead and read this text. Okay, cool. So this is Blitzwing Cruel Tormentor. Blitzwing is a six-five uh, legendary artifact creature robot for six-five and a black. Um, they have at the beginning of your end step, target opponent loses life equal to the life that player lost that turn. If no life is lost this way, convert Blitzwing. Um, so front side is basically like a mini, uh, what is it? Pain, pain reflection, pain reflection. Thank you for like one player. So that's, you know, that's whatever. Um, the, it has more than meets the eyes. These, these all do for four mana, three and a black, which, uh, the backside is blitzwing adaptive assailant, uh, which is a three, five vehicle with living metal. So it's a creature on your turn. And it has, at the beginning of combat on your turn, choose flying or indestructible at random. Blitzwing gains that ability until end of turn. Uh, And so if you remember Blitzwing from the show, Blitzwing was a guy who could be a tank or a jet. Uh, That was his cool thing that he did. So you either get a flyer or an indestructible guy. Uh, And whenever Blitzwing deals combat damage to a player, convert it. 
So uh, I'm gonna say, Nick, what's the uh, what's the most consistent way to hit somebody with between indestructible and flying on uh, the backside of Blitzwing? <laughs> Uh, I think I would probably choose indestructible because eventually you will hit that and then, you know, you'll have an indestructible commander and you're yeah. in a color identity with mass creature destruction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Blow them all up. Yeah. Uh, so, I, yeah, that's that's probably what I'd go for. Um, it is worth noting that the high mana value on the front half makes like stinging study pretty good. Oh, yeah. Um, so keep that in mind, especially as they print more cards that care about your commander's mana value. Um, but overall, I don't think this is incredibly interesting. Um, no, this is like... Uh, you could put this into the mono black squad and it would be fine, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, th- this is uh, definitely a mono black commander. It's funny that you do get a little bit of, like... You can run up pretty much every single board wipe, so that's fun, you know. Uh, and someone's dying fairly quickly because if you do things like uh, blood tribute, what's the the one from Innistrad where like someone loses half their life? Like, uh, yeah, blood tribute. Yeah, so so you can just do stuff like that too to just like noob tube people. But other than that, like, whatever, it's a black commander. <laughs> you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of commanders that do damage and blow up stuff you know um so do you want to get into this next one sure uh this next one is star scream power hungry uh this is actually one of my favorite of the transformers cards Mm -hmm. um it's a legendary artifact creature robot it's a two three and it has flying and whenever you draw a card if you're the monarch target opponent loses two life and whenever one or more creatures deal combat damage to you convert star scream it also has more than meets the eye, so if you cast it for two and a black, it comes in on its opposite side, which is Starscream Seeker Leader. It's a 2-3 legendary artifact vehicle with living metal. It has flying, menace, and haste. And when Starscream deals combat damage to a player, if there is no monarch, that player becomes the monarch. And whenever you become the monarch, convert Starscream. So this is a... Pretty neat commander. Um, I, I just love introducing the monarch into more games, and it being in a black color identity uh, allows you to do some fun stuff to break the symmetry here. So, uh, you know, if you use like their name is death, the the new mm, asymmetrical wrath from the forty k precons, the one that destroys all non artifact creatures, uh, that will allow your star scream to survive, but kill everyone else's creatures so hopefully in that scenario you can maintain the monarch uh, phyrexian scriptures is kind of similar it's second chapter destroys all nine artifact creatures uh reaver demon is a bit more expensive it's eight mana four black 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 uh but when you when it enters a battlefield if you cast it um you get to destroy all non-artifact non-black creatures so again pretty good breaking symmetry uh, so I would also maybe consider like, uh, running Kagamaro or some other yeah. like instant speed board wipes because the, the neat thing about living metal is your vehicles are just dead artifacts. They're on your opponent's turns. So if you like crack your Kagamaro or, 
I guess, flip up your Bane of the Living or something on an opponent's turn, then Starscream will survive, provided he's in the Seeker Leader form. So other ways to potentially uh, game the system a little bit and keep your grip on the throne. Um, I I think this is a a neat commander and, of course, love seeing the Monarch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I I agree with everything you said. I don't really have much to add to it. The Kagamara is one of my favorite like things that I get to run in black decks. So the fact that uh, this is really synergistic makes me really happy. Mm. So uh, if you're good, I'm going to read off this next guy. Yeah, go. So this is slicer hired muscle. This is a three, four legendary artifact creature. It's a five mana. uh, So four and a red is double strike and haste. And at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, you may have that player gain control of Slicer until end of turn. If you do, untap Slicer, goad it, and it can't be sacrificed this turn. If you don't, convert it. So, okay, you know, like a fun little little <laughs> uh, Tangar thing going on. It's more than meets the eye cost is three, so two and a red. And the backside is Slicer, High Speed Antagonist. So Slicer High Speed Antagonist has Living Metal, as they all do, uh, is a 3-2 with First Strike and Haste, and whenever Slicer deals combat damage to a player, convert it at the end of combat. So uh, basically, on each opponent's turn, you can either turn your guy into not a creature, (laughs) or you can give it to them and let them just beat the crap out of someone (laughs) with it. So, you know, that's... That's kind of fun. It's a mono red Tarngarth kind of thing. And he hits like way harder than Tarngarth does. Yeah. Uh, I think this is a a pretty neat little Voltron commander. Mm -hmm. Um, It's nice that you can get him out pretty early via his alternate cost. Uh, Just like casting him on three, hitting somebody and then getting to untap with your three, four double striker on turn four seems pretty solid. Yeah, um, I agree. There, one thing that kind of sucks about like the more Voltron-oriented Transformers is that. Uh, so, okay, it is nice that like auras and equipment will stay on as they transform on your turn because the the other side, or rather, as they convert on your turn, because the vehicle side is still going to be a creature on your turn, and it's not like exiling and being return flipped, but. As soon as you pass the turn, it's you know, it stops being a creature if it's in the vehicle mode yeah. and all your equipment auras fall off. Yeah, so you got to put them counters on there. Yeah, that's, that's probably the best route or just run things with like very cheap equip costs so you don't mind having to pay it again if that, that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, this is basically exactly what you said. Like, this is a pretty efficient red Voltron commander beats the crap out of people and then other people help you beat the crap out of them too. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. I'm into that. Um, yeah. And it's the three mana, it, the secret three mana cost is pretty funny. <laughs> so yeah. Do you want to get into the next card? Sure. Uh, this is gold bug humanities ally. It is one white blue for a three, three legendary artifact creature robot prevent all combat damage that would be dealt to attacking humans. You control and whenever you cast your second spell each turn, convert Goldbug. It also has more than meets the eye for just white-blue, so two mana. And the opposite side is Goldbug Scrappy Scout. It's a 1-3 legendary artifact vehicle with living metal. And 
Human spells you control can't be countered, and whenever Goldbug and at least one human attack, draw a card and convert Goldbug. So, I mean, I don't think it's very difficult to fit enough humans in your deck to consistently meet the threshold of one, but given, I think most of these abilities are just trinket text. Um, The only thing that really matters is like drawing a card, and even then, you can only do it once per turn uh, or even like once per round of turns. So I just don't think this is a very exciting commander. I think like in comparison, um, you could just play like any blue chooser and folk hero and just um, (laughs) draw away more cards, (laughs) draw away more cards. I mean, you're still like, uh, it looks like you're limited to one per turn. It's just, way easier to do and if you can somehow cast humans on your opponent's turns then it's just even better and i think folk hero like you could even do it with non-human things it's great mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so i yeah like you know if you run folk hero with like a human elf rogue then you trigger off of all three of those things it, it's i just think there's much better options for this deck than Goldbug. Yeah, no, it's it is kind of like all of these commanders kind of fit in or near a space that already exists, but just does it a little bit differently. And I think this is one of the ones that falls the most flat because for the most part, like everything we've talked about is like been really cool and we're going to hit some like pretty cool ones coming up. But this one definitely is like just doesn't quite push it far enough, you know, like there's no like wrath protection because the front side like prevent all combat damage that will be dealt to attacking humans you control. Well, okay, that kind of makes me want to go wider, you know, like have a bunch of humans, tokens, whatever they are, and like attack with like impunity. But then like I'm only getting a card on the backside to replace that. So if I am playing with like good human spells as opposed to human tokens, like I'm not really refueling fast enough to take advantage of it. So it just kind of falls a little bit flat on both parts of it to me. So, oops. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on to the next one. Um, you want to read this off? Yes. So, uh, so this is Cyclonus, the saboteur. Uh, so Cyclonus is a four mana, two, five flying legendary effect robot for four mana, two and a blue and a black. So front half four mana, two, five flyer. When Cyclonus deals combat damage to a player, it connives. Then if Cyclonus's power is five or greater, convert it. Uh, and this one actually has a more expensive more than meets the eye cost. It costs seven, so five blue black to uh, start Cyclonus on the backside. So, what is Cyclonus on the backside? He is Cyclonus Cybertronarian Fighter, uh, which is a five five flying uh, living metal vehicle. Whenever Cyclonus deals combat damage to a player, convert it. If you do, there is an additional beginning phase after this phase, which is your untap, upkeep, and draw. So, uh, <laughs> ooh, wow. So you basically, you have a two, five flyer for four. If you hit them, you connive. If you make them big, you transform them. And then if you transform them, like, let's say, uh, you have three plus one plus one counters on it. You have an eight, eight flyer that just beats the crap out of someone and lets you draw an extra card for doing so. Um, so this is a, basically a blue, black 
Sphinx of the Second Son? Yeah, a blue-black Sphinx of the Second Son. You got to work a little harder, uh, but it's your commander. Um, it's basically just a Voltron list, but it's like a very silly Voltron <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, like the reward is, I think, very much worth it. You're like, not only do I like hit somebody for eight minimum, but like I get a whole untap and draw for it, which is, you know, pretty good, especially being in blue black. You're just going to be able to protect Cyclonus. You're going to have the cards to counter spells that are going to mess with your game plan. So this just seems like a pretty decent blue black Voltron commander to me. Mm hmm. Uh, one thing to note, um, if you slap a grappling hook on um, on Cyclonus, then you can like hit somebody and then convert it. And then the the, uh, the fire shrieker or the grappling hook is still on the card. So then you can then get the second combat damage trigger from the Cyclonus. Oh, that's um, cool. So, yeah, so that's pretty neat. And the funny thing is, well, okay. So this deck is going to want a lot of mana sinks. Um, it's because you're just, you know, doubling up your mana every turn. It's kind of like a J- uh, Jorn or Yorn, God of Winter list in that way. Um, you probably want extra turn spells. Um, probably want some ways to find that Fire Shrieker because that does seem like pretty important to be able to get the the Sphinx trigger consistently. Also, like one neat thing about extra turn spells in this list is that if you have like a Cyclonus with some equipment on it um, and you take an extra turn, it it's never not your turn in between those two turns. So it just continues being a creature. The equipment never falls off. Yes. Yeah. No, that is that is a nice thing about this card that uh, honestly, like most of the other ones don't get the benefit. Of. <laughs> so <laughs> this one's going to play more like a typical Voltron commander than you are. Um, other living vehicle living metal ones are so mm-hmm. um you don't really have to think that hard if you were thinking about playing cyclonus then you, you probably will be okay just putting in the normal suite of things where some of the other ones you might want to think twice about it you know yeah provided you can take a lot of extra turns yeah, yeah. um any last thoughts on cyclonus or do you want to move on to flame war no let's let's move on okay uh, so Flame War Brash Veteran is one black red for a 3-2 legendary artifact creature robot. It uh, has sacrifice another artifact, put a plus one plus one counter on Flame War and convert it. Activate only as a sorcery. And it also has one discard your hand, put all exiled cards you own with intel counters on them into your hand. And it has more than meets the eye for black and a red. So if you play it for it's more than meets the eye cost or you convert it the other half is flame war streetwise operative it's a 2-1 legendary artifact vehicle with living metal it has menace and death touch and whenever flame war deals combat damage to a player exile that many cards from the top of your library face down put an intel counter on each of them then convert flame war so i think this is a pretty sweet commander like some of the other uh like more Voltrani or more combat damage oriented transformer commanders, uh, you're definitely going to want to invest in equipment with very low equip costs, like heirloom blade maybe. Um, but I, I really love that the creature half acts as a discard outlet. So it's a good deck for things like big game hunter or shadow range Archfiend, 
or like containment construct, any of these sort of like madness e cards. Surly Badgersaur and Bone Miser might also be worth think- thinking about if you're just going to be discarding a bunch of cards anyway. And then I think you definitely need some artifact sack fodder in this deck. So like Professional Facebreaker, Grim Hireling, Black Market Connections, or Curse of Opulence. All these like cheap and then kind of generally useful treasure generators give you like sack fodder at a pretty good rate. And then, yeah, you're just going to want to make sure that you're able to pump up Flame War because, uh, you know, getting two cards with Intel counters isn't incredibly exciting, but getting five is enough that you actually feel pretty good about discarding your hand. This card's like pretty cool <laughs> like like this one in particular it was one that i was like oh man i i might want her to try and do this because just the play patterns seem like incredibly fun to me and like the fact that like this is one of the cheaper ones too means that like you're gonna just do the thing every game too you kind of just can count on it or like you're uh i don't know your cyclonus or whatever is like a little i guess it's four so I guess none of these are like that expensive, but this one, like just two mana is like pretty cheap to start mm-hmm. like doing the thing you want to do. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I think it, that's a, a pretty neat one. Um, but maybe I'm just biased because I love discard outlet commanders. No, I, I mean, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah. And, and there's a lot of things that do give you like pretty good artifact sack fodder. There's like all the treasure producers, um there's just like they keep printing those i don't know what to call them the like two mana artifacts that like do a thing when they enter or die like those are kind of oh fun. like servo schematic yeah things or like micah synth wellspring or mm-hmm, wellspring. exactly or like the treasure one and stuff like that so like mm-hmm. those those like seem okay here because like you draw two cards you get two lands you know like you get two treasures, like all those kind of things. Like it's multiple sack fodders on one card to let you keep doing your thing. And the fact that you're seeing so many cards too just means that you can just, it feels like it's not going to be that big of an ass to cast one of them and then keep doing your thing. And then when one of them runs out, you can like get the Intel counter thing going. So mm-hmm. yeah, this guy seems really cool to me. Uh, I agree. But I think we can move on to the next one. Do you want to read this guy off? Yeah. So this is uh, <laughs> this is Blaster Combat DJ. <laughs> so uh, Blaster is a 3-3 three, three, uh, legendary artifact creature robot for five mana, three red green, uh, and has other non-token artifact creatures and vehicles you control have modular one. So they enter the battlefield with an additional plus one, plus one counter on them. And when they die, you can move that counter to another artifact creature. Um, And whenever you put one or more plus one, plus one counters on blaster, you convert it. uh, And the more than meets the eye cost is three, one red, green. So it transforms into blaster morale booster. I think this is one of the only ones that it's just a legendary artifact. It's not a vehicle on the backside. So it does not have living metal. Uh, instead, it has modular three. So if you pay three, you get a legendary artifact with three plus one plus one counters on it. With X tap, move X plus one plus one counters from blaster onto another target artifact. That artifact gains haste until end of turn. 
If Blaster has no plus one plus one counters on it, convert it. Activate only as a sorcery. So no combat tricks for you. Um, this one is pretty silly. You could also just sack Blaster and move the three counters to somewhere, but then you mm-hmm. have to pay commander tax again. Um, so that's very silly to do. Um, but yeah, what I mean, what? <laughs> so I'm putting counters on him to transform him to move the counters to something else to give something haste. What is what is good with this? What do I want to do with this? Okay, so I'll start with the combo line and then move on to more general uses. Yeah. Um. So, Lesser Masticor is an artifact creature with persist. So the neat thing about uh, modular is it makes creatures enter the, or like granting modular to all artifact creatures um, makes it them enter the battlefield with an additional plus plus one counter on them. So if you have a persist creature. Uh, that enters the battlefield with a minus one, minus one counter after it dies, it'll get a plus plus one counter as well. Those two will then can- cancel out, and then it's kind of refreshed and able to be sacrificed again. So if you can get a lesser Mastigor and any sack outlet and a blaster combat DJ on the board, then you get infinite of whatever that sack outlet generates. And of course, like you're in a green color identity, you can search out the Mastigor pretty easily. Uh, the one thing you got to look out for is just getting your sack outlet and making sure that you're running a critical mass of those so you can assemble the combo consistently. Um, so that that's like, I think the win condition for this deck, uh, until that happens, ooh, it, uh, there's a little bit, um, less obvious, yeah, you're really gonna have lines. to dig for for this one because you uh, artifacts inherently have haste, right? So like it's basically only gonna be worth it to do this on artifact creatures. And if you pay zero, you give an artifact creature haste. You know, so that's like that's just tap give something haste as your commander, which mm-hmm. is is what it is. You know, <laughs> like that's that's fine, but. Um, what am I trying to give haste? That's an artifact creature in these colors. Uh, I, you tell me, <laughs> I like, do, am I trying, is this supposed to be like, you play all the arcbound trackers and slashers and whelps and like stingers and stuff that we've gotten over the years and like actually play a modular deck with him. Is that like the plan they had for this guy? Or am I just like, trying to play robots like blade griff prototype and like swing in i i don't know it's tricky like i think i I mean okay blade griff prototype is a pretty nice one um but there's also just like much much better and less narrow haste granting commanders in this color identity like you have access to xenagos god of revels and hal and elena um both of which you know grant things and also make them bigger every combat um, and don't have to restrict themselves to just running artifact creatures. So this, um, I think I would, I'm not really compelled to run it for the, like the fair gameplay. It's just, if I was running this commander, I would be focusing on the, on the combo aspect. But even then, like, you know, Rum Gully exists and that's just easier. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is funny. Cause like this, this is kind of you, you your greater good is going to be good in this list. Cause your robots are all bigger and mm. you're playing a bunch of like red, green 
robot stuff. We just got the in the Dominary United the the lady who taps artifacts for mana and stuff like that. So like they're they're definitely trying to put together some weird like red green artifact synergies, but I just don't know what they are. <laughs> like off the top of my head, like this is probably a fine reanimator list. And your win condition is just like crater hoof or like some kind of overrun with like robots. Like that's probably a fine thing. But yeah, if you like blaster, if blaster is like uh, one of your more favorite transformers, then that would probably be why I would run him more. Cause like he, he's like so strange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's such a weird, weird one. But um, I think with all that said, do you want to get onto the next one or do you want me to read this one off? Uh, you can go ahead and read this one off, and then I'll, I'll dive into it. Yeah, that sounds great. So uh, this is RC Sharpshooter. So RC Sharpshooter is a 2-2 first strike legendary artifact or two robot for three mana. One red, white. Uh, and they have two abilities. Well, nope, sorry. They just have one ability. <laughs> they have one, remove one or more plus one plus one counters from RC. It deals that much damage to target creature. Convert RC. So you get a 2-2 first strike that you can remove counters from to deal damage and the backside is uh oh and sorry i forgot the more the meets the eye cost is two so red and white uh the backside is living metal so it's a two two living metal vehicle whenever you cast a spell that targets one or more creatures or vehicles you control put that many plus one plus one counters on rc and convert rc if you're targeting it, it's like um scaling heroic so like if you're spell targets multiple things you put more counters on rc um and then you you flip her um so you're like doing this like it's not necessarily go wide but you do want multiple targets for your spells but there aren't a lot of spells with like multiple targets you know so Mm -hmm. uh I, I'm just going to say, like, listener, good luck on this one. Do you have any any advice for people who want to play with this one? Uh, I mean, my first piece of advice would be to play Feather instead. But <laughs> if you're committed to running RC, then, um, well, giving her Death Touch is not bad. And then just be aware that you can activate that ability on the front half multiple times sort of in response to itself. So if you just like keep doing it and don't let it resolve and convert her, then you can remove a bunch of counters, ping a bunch of things, and then the death touch will make those pings lethal. So I, I would probably try to do that. Um, but again, this is just more work than playing feather. So I, I think I'd rather do that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. you're like really pushing yourself for this and stretching in weird directions for not too much of a reward yet. Like it's cool that they keep pushing like spells that target rewards, but like there aren't that many in this color that like are good. So you're going to have your like three good spells and then you just are kind of, I don't know, putting cantrips in your deck or something. So (laughs) yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure what to do here. So we can talk about the next commander though, if you want to, well, I'll, I'll, I'll just say one thing. So uh, just like a, a broader remark on the design of these cards. I think it's cool how on a lot of them, the the conver- like, you know, they, they all convert because that's sort of what lets 
what makes them feel like uh, Transformers. And on a lot of these cards, they use the convert as sort of a, a safety valve or yeah. like a like a play design limit on you know repetitive gameplay. And that's fine. You know, it it uh, in a lot of the cases, like it's probably leads to like more fun games. But the fact that like they have to put it on everything, like really makes the weaker designs feel a lot worse. Like if it's, you know, if you're putting the conversion restriction on a, a busted mechanic in order to make it fair, that feels way cooler than, you know, RC where I have to do it because I'm a transformer, even though <laughs> the inherent gameplay is just like, or, or like what she's doing is just really, really weak. Yes, absolutely. So yeah. Oh, well, well, not a, not one of the bangers, but we've been getting some, some interesting ones. So um, do you want me I'll, to read off the note? You I'll, I'll, read, I'll this read this one off. This is like the weirdest card <laughs> yeah. in, for multiple reasons. Um, this is Soundwave Sonic Spy. It is one white, blue, black for a 5-4 legendary artifact creature robot. It has whenever one or more creature tokens you control deal combat damage to a player, exile target instant or sorcery card with mana value equal to the damage dealt from their graveyard. Copy it. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. If you do, convert Soundwave. And it has more than meets the eye for two white, blue, black. So the reverse side is Soundwave Superior Captain. It's a legendary artifact, not a vehicle. Whenever you cast a spell with an odd mana value, convert Soundwave. If you do, create Ravage, a legendary 3-3 black robot artifact creature token with menace and death touch. And and whenever you cast a spell with an even mana value, create Soundwave. If you do, create Laserbeak, a legendary 2-2 blue robot artifact creature token with flying and hexproof. All right. So in this deck, um, it's very clear that you want spells without timing restrictions. Um, so probably even though you got a blue color identity, counter spells are just not going to be as useful as things that work well with Soundways ability. Uh, spot removal and card draw, I think, are primo things to aim for. Uh, Laser beak is is better than ravage because of the the flying is a better evasion mechanic than menace so i think it makes sense to build around spells with mana value two in this deck and there are a lot of good spot removal spells with mana value two and esper color identity um but i think it's very goofy that the mana value of the copied card has to be equal to the damage dealt um it yeah it just sucks that like you can't really run pump effects or even like good equipment because that'll throw off your uh your ability to get your free spells this one i mean you could tell that it was going to be a lot because it i think has some of the most words out of all of these these ones and i think they were really 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 pushing this guy to like try and be flavorful to what Soundwave does on the show because they all are trying to like mimic the roles of what the transformers do like on the show mm-hmm. but Soundwave is like such a weird character in general that like 
converting that into magic mechanics required them jumping through like some pretty strange hoops to make that happen. But like, I, I'm kind of, I still kind of like this guy. Interesting tokens are pretty silly to me. And I think that like the ravage token is like pretty good, like menace death touch token. Uh, and if you don't like, I get more spells is like pretty, (laughs) I don't know. That seems, that seems fine to me. That seems pretty strong. And the fact that you can keep like every turn, it, you, you basically point a gun to someone's head and go like, am I going to get more value or are you going to sack your <laughs> your guy? Are you going to throw your guys under the bus? Like that seems pretty good to me. So as convoluted and weird as he is, like, I think he, I think I like him. I think he's, I think he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't, it's definitely better than the last one we talked about. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I'm not crazy into him. I think that like, well, it, I think it's a pretty heavy deck building restriction for like, not an awesome reward. Like you just be- recently built a Gale deck that mm-hmm. seemed, and your deck is like way better at playing spells out of its graveyard. Yes. And getting value. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That deck can do some pretty wild things. Um, and this one seems like it's definitely capped. You know, like this one is definitely um, much more fair because <laughs> mm-hmm. at least with Gale, I can have some pretty wild turns or chain of turns, you know, like with the time walks that don't like exile themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. you could do things like give my like give my guy trample, draw a card to flash back the spell that like gives me an extra turn or something like that to mm-hmm. hit you like so this you cannot do stuff like that here this is very very much more um much more fair um so that's f- fine you know there's some metas where i i don't think if you're playing Soundwave, you're never going to do anything fun or interesting i just think that uh it's it's going to do a lot less than other commanders like with similar words written in their text box <laughs> yeah it'll, it'll be some work um yeah but I, I think we can go ahead and move on um yeah. this next one is uh, honestly a pretty funny card this is yeah. ultra magnus tactician uh it is four red green white for a seven seven le- legendary artifact creature robot it has ward two and whenever Ultra Magnus attacks, you may put an artifact creature card from your hand onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. If you do, convert Ultra Magnus at end of combat. It has more than meets the eye for two red, green, white. And the opposite side is Ultra Magnus Arm- Armored Carrier, which is a 4-7 legendary artifact vehicle with living metal and haste and formidable. Whenever Ultra Magnus attacks, Attacking creatures you control gain indestructible until end of turn. If those creatures have total power, eight or greater, convert Ultra Magnus. So what, like, which of these halves seem like the most direct route to victory, and what would you do with them? (laughs) If you're going to ask me which one I was going to try and play a little bit more, I mean, it might just be the the cheaper (laughs) side where (laughs) I just all my guys get indestructible and I don't have to, to worry about the wrath I'm going to cast, you know, 
stuff mm-hmm. like that. That's probably what I'm going to end up doing. Although, I mean, you, yeah, the war two is really funny too. I think that's like hilarious. Definitely pretty good. Uh, and there's a lot of good artifact creatures you can drop in with that front half. Like, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's hard to beat blight steel Colossus in terms of like, Oh yeah, that's true. The potential ceiling on that. Yeah. Um, but there are some like, more controly things you can drop in as well. Like, you know, angel, of the ruins will exile some of your opponents, artifacts and shamans, uh, null stone gargoyle will really annoy the heck oh, out of people. Yeah. yeah, definitely. That's actually really true. I didn't think <laughs> the null stone, that's really brutal, but you could also drop in like a, if, if you're running a more artifact oriented deck, I guess you could drop in like, uh, Micah synth golem maybe, and just get, huge cost reductions on your spells um but this seems pretty neat i would definitely plan to like play this deck or play this commander for the more than meets the eye cost and then just make sure my deck is able to get that formidable trigger so i can get to the the ultra magnus half and yeah, keep, really... keep getting back to it yeah 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 it's pretty wild like the 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 fact that you're just playing like Wraths and Haymakers in this deck is like pretty nuts. Like there are a few commanders that kind of lend themselves towards like late game smash, but this guy is just literally saying on the on the you know the box, you know exactly what you're getting. You're like you're gonna cheat big stupid things into play, and you're gonna rat the board every turn, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, you're. I just can't imagine it'd be very hard to win after that. Oh, definitely. It, it and and it's starting off like kind of cheap at only five because you only need four power of dudes. Other than that, so if you play this for five, like it doesn't take much to get going again. You know. Yeah, um, I mean you're on color for like mana dorks, so it's not too hard to just like incidentally be having some creatures that can help you get to formidable yeah yeah so i i think that you'll probably be able to do that most of the time because if you aren't just rushing out the front like ultra magnus tactician side then uh you're gonna need to flip it to get going but there it's you're naya it's a naya deck so you probably maybe it's just a xenogod you know just get a xenogod and attack and <laughs> your big things will hit even harder. I don't know. There's stuff. You got it. You you can figure it out. I guess let's move on to Megatron. Can I read this guy off? Yes, go We've for it. Probably all been waiting for what the heck Megatron does. So uh Megatron Tyrant is a six mana seven five legendary artifact creature robot. Uh so three red, white, black. They have your opponents can't cast spells during combat. And at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, you may convert Megatron. If you do, add colorless for each one life your opponents have lost this turn. Um, okay, cool. Kind of ragdosy. So more than meets the eye cost is four. So one red, white, black. And the backside is Megatron Destructive Force. So Living Metal, that's a vehicle. It's a four five. Whenever Megatron attacks, you may sacrifice another artifact. When you do, Megatron deals damage equal to the sacrificed mana, uh, sacrificed artifact's mana value to target creature. If excess damage would be dealt to that creature this way, instead that damage is dealt to the creature's controller, 
and you convert Megatron. So I do love that they're using that line of text, the like excess damage thing. I think that's Mm -hmm. cool. And it's like a good way to incentivize like big stuff. But, uh, Ooh, it does really make you have to work to flip Megatron back Mm -hmm. unless, unless you just are playing against like a bunch of elves or something like that, you know? Um, so yeah, this, this deck, what, what are we going to be putting in this deck? What, what is some stuff that makes Megatron tick? Uh, so, I mean, you want things that are good to sacrifice and that can ideally be cast, um, with mostly colorless mana or only colorless mana. So one thing that stuck out to me was Ugin's Nexus, uh, which is, Ooh, let me, let me check the mana cost on this. Um, uh, but it's a legendary artifact and it costs five mana. And the, if a player would begin an extra turn, that player skips that turn in, instead. But if Ugin's Nexus would be put into a graveyard from the battlefield, instead exile it and take an extra turn after this one. So it's something you, that you can cast pretty easily with the Megatron mana. And then once you sack it to the the vehicle half, you get to take an extra turn. So that's pretty, pretty good. Um, Another thing you mentioned when we were talking before the show is Spine of Ishsaw. Uh, that's mm-hmm. cost seven mana. It's an artifact when it enters the battlefield, destroy target permanent. And when it's put into a graveyard from the battlefield, return it to your hand. So that's something that can is certainly a lot easier to cast when you have a bunch of Megatron mana. And then it works really well with the uh, sack outlet that the destructive force half offers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like dealing, like it, let's say there are just a bunch of like two twos like getting in there dealing five to your opponent presumably taking out a blocker so that your seven five can like hit them (laughs) you know like (laughs) this seems pretty good and megatron just does have seven power so you know that means it's three hits one two three strikes and you're Mm -hmm. out so yeah if you if you can really like get people off guard like catch people off guard like they the game can end pretty quickly yeah, definitely. And it is worth noting, you know, if your commander makes mana yeah. <laughs> and you're in like a white red color identity, you can consider some mass land destruction just to mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. break the symmetry there. Yeah. And and there there's like stuff the like uh Metalwork Colossus and stuff in particular. Like if you if you can get that back like a few times and just sack it, like not only are you dealing a bunch of damage, you're like kind of just for a few turns you can exist on an access beyond your opponents that might not have any lands where mm-hmm. not only do they have to contend with like 11 damage being thrown around they also have to contend with your seven five commander that just made like i don't know like eight nine ten man <laughs> for free <laughs> so yeah it's definitely uh can seal up the late game pretty well um and then like normal things are pretty good in this list. So if you're playing like robots, you're like scarecrows are pretty good. Um, scrap trawlers, that kind of stuff. Like, you know, there's, there's all those normal little artifact guys are just as good here as they are in any other like artifact list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was thinking also dark steel forge. Um, mm-hmm. cause this deck will presumably, I mean, it's commander is an artifact, but also presumably you're going to have, other artifacts that you're going to be sacrificing to Megatron and just, uh, and, and you're going to have the mana to 
more easily cast it. So it's certainly better here than it is in a lot of decks that are trying to pay full retail for it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I think with that said, we can get into our, our last guy, unless there's any other tech you want to uh, no, talk about. Let's, let's move on. Um, so this is Optimus Prime Hero. He is three red, white, and blue for a 4-8 legendary artifact creature robot. He has, at the beginning of each end step, bolster one, which means choose a creature with the least toughness among creatures you control and put a plus plus one counter on it. Uh, And when Optimus Prime dies, return it to the battlefield converted under its owner's control. Uh, And then the opposites, it also has more than meets the eye for two red, white, and blue, so five mana. And the opposite side is Optimus Prime Autobot Leader, which is a 6-8 legendary artifact vehicle with living metal. It has Trample, and whenever you attack Bolster 2, the chosen creature gains Trample until end of turn, and when that creature deals combat damage to a player this turn, convert Optimus Prime. So uh, I think it's pretty sweet that your commander survives the first board wipe, and you know, you're in a white color identity. Uh, so that is worth in mind as a potential way to just get value while keeping the beats going. Uh, but bolstering at each end step is potentially pretty useful. So Glenelendra Archmage was the first card that comes to mind. It's three and a blue for a two, two berry wizard with flying and persist. And it has blue sacrifice Glenelendra Archmage counter target non creature spell. So you know, once you have sacrificed it once, it'll have one power, so it's likely going to be a good target for bolstering, or a, a valid target for bolstering. And then, once you put a counter on it with bolster, uh, you cancel out the minus one minus one counter from persist, so it's kind of refreshed. So you get one free negate on each turn, and that's got to be pretty good, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> No, I imagine that that can get you pretty far in a game. So, yeah, it, this one's interesting too because, like, it this one where like some of the other commanders, when you wrath the board and they turn into whatever they protect the board, um, that's fine because that that's kind of part of the point of this. Optimus Prime, it kind of you want to build out, but he doesn't protect the other guys. So, like, yeah, you end up with a six eight commander, but like, unless you have like a dark steel mer or something that's also going to like live with you or something like the wrathing every turn or every other turn isn't the easiest or best idea but i think that just the fact that you're getting these counters for free and the fact that he sticks around so well like it takes two kill spells or two wrath to go optimus means that like you can kind of end up running a suite of uh, like recursion of like value guys of like you said like the the uh, persisty things and kind of grind out value over the course of the game um, you know and end up can in I, a position mm-hmm. uh, can I respond to something you said yeah sure um, so w- one thing to note is you know you said like it'll take multiple wraths to kill him but with like living metal like once he's in the vehicle form you know, it's it's very hard to kill him with a wrath because he's oh, that's true. <laughs> just not going to be a dude on your opponent's turns for sorcery speed removal. Yeah, so they're gonna yeah they're gonna have to have a wrath and like a shatter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's actually pretty. I did I did forget that. That is funny. Um, so 
yeah, I mean, definitely resilient. Uh, I think it ends up being a pretty cool deck. It's not as like splashy as the other ones. Do you know? Does that? I don't know if that's true or not. But to me, like Optimus doesn't feel as like zany or crazy as some of these other ones we talked about. But he's like very powerful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. So just yeah, interesting. Like a really really funny commander. I, I'm not sure that this card would have existed unless they were thinking about Optimus Prime, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it's a lot of really disjointed abilities like put together. Yeah, I agree. It's a pretty strange card. Um, let me just toss out one more piece of tech. You mentioned like more persist creatures. I was thinking like cauldron of souls in particular mm-hmm. could be good here. Yeah. Um, just as a way to grant persist to a bunch of things. And so that like over time, Optimus Prime could eventually bolster them back to non-persisted status. Um, but yeah, weird card. Uh, I, I'm sure it'll be fun for the folks who love Optimus Prime, though. Yeah, with okay. that, we're all done. So I'm, I'm going to ask you, like, because one of the things about these cards isn't that they exist. It's like how they're being distributed. Mm-hmm. So how well i guess let's get into the mechanics so looking at this batch of cards how do you feel about like the design and uh like the execution of them i think there's a lot of clever things um going on here like the fact that they all convert is great the fact that most of them incentivize you to start on the vehicle half is also great um you know, the fact that like you have to kind of start incognito and then, oh, this is this car was actually a robot the whole time. That's um, uh, that, it you know, aligns with the flavor of the property pretty well. So I I, <laughs> I don't love the retro art, but again, this product is probably not targeting me specifically. Yeah. Um, hopefully the, the people who really like Transformers are going to love the 80s callback art, but I, it's pretty neat um I, I certainly love the introduction of new commanders into the format and a lot of these open up new archetypes or just do cool things so i am i am happy about the existence of this set of transformers universes beyond cards well actually although i will say like putting a lot of emphasis on robot kind of dilutes constructs in magic um mm-hmm. and like constructs are already have like tribal support whereas robot doesn't really have anything outside of like yeah cards yeah exactly <laughs> like your clown tribal deck got a little bit better with this yeah one. yeah so pretty um, silly but but those are my thoughts what do you think um i think these are really cool i i do like that like these universes beyond pushes them to create cards that like just really wouldn't exist in normal magic um like like sound wave like why <laughs> how could you ever come up with something like this unless you were thinking about this very specific character from mm. this tv show you know like you're trying to do these top-down designs so i do i appreciate the universe is beyond for that and i i do feel like they put a lot of effort into these cards in particular so like there are way more hits than misses on them uh, which like for me kind of bums me out that they do have the retro 80s art, but that's, you know, whatever. Cause like I might want to build some of these guys at some point and then I'm going to have to stare at like slicer, <laughs> just like 
crouching over the table <laughs> for the duration of the game, you know? So that's, that is what it is. Uh, and in general, like I think listeners know that universes beyond don't necessarily upset me. Like I'm glad that someone might see this and be like, Oh my God, a Optimus prime hero deck. Like that seems great. Like that sounds mm-hmm. so much fun and like get into the game and be excited about it. Um, so like mechanically, I think this is, pretty much a home run i feel like they did a really good job making these cards and making them feel like the characters making them unique making them workable commander decks um it is the distribution is weird though so like the the fact that you can't purchase these in a product like if you were like i would like to buy optimus prime hero uh you have to go specifically to like collector or set boosters of like a separate set to be able to to get you're like oh no so if you want the transformers cards you have to buy brothers war and within the brothers war you have a chance to get the like that is very strange to me and like imagine Mm -hmm. someone who like only casually keeps up with like magic in general being like oh brothers war and going to like target and buying like uh those blister packs those three booster pack packs and like opening up like a star scream and being like what (laughs) (laughs) like what what is this like you know just so it's it's a really weird way because i feel like brothers war in particular like doesn't isn't going to need that many gimmicks to get people to purchase it. Mm-hmm. So it, this must just be like an experiment to see if people enjoy this distribution model. I would say like, I, you know, I think more commanders being put out there is a good thing. Yeah, this gives agreed. more options for people. Um, this, in terms of this distribution model, like, it would make more sense to ha- sell this as a secret layer. Um, but what, the, what would be the downside of that? Cause like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's reasonable. Do you think it makes sense to expect like in universe versions of these transformer cards? Um, so, I mean, they keep saying that like they have the ability to do that, but I just don't think we should expect it anytime soon, you know, like, yeah, like they had, they haven't planned on it. And like, what even is the magic flavor of these (laughs) creatures? I don't, I don't know like what you would have to just create some whole new thing to like put these kind of creatures into some form of magic ip like what plane would they be for like a courier or something but that they don't have artifacts well well, also it just doesn't it isn't totally necessary to like i don't know if wizards has a strong incentive to make in universe versions because like uh you know because hasbro owns transformers there's not the same like reprinting issues that come up with say like the walking dead where um, wizards doesn't own the characters. So they can't just like reprint those cards whenever they want. They have to make 
in-universe versions in order to get more copies in circulation. But there's no problem really with them reprinting like Optimus Prime Hero in any future product. So like expecting that, so it, it comes, it, the conversation changes from one that's about like, how do I get more copies in circulation to meet demand because of like the economics of the situation uh, and legal issues and becomes like more just, oh, aesthetically, I don't want to play with Transformers cards. Like that's, who that's that's not nearly as big of a problem that's that's like kind of who cares yeah you're we're past the point where you're you can easily avoid polluting your decks with other ips yeah i mean and there are going to be more universes beyond cards and then also like wizards that, that's not like a thing they are going to concern themselves with yeah they just they just aren't from like like you said like from a business perspective i don't think it's reasonable for unless like a massive amount of people complain which i don't think they are yeah and also like um the i think wizards is going to find that they are constrained on the number of slots for reprinting uh in universe versions of secret layer cards because they're already kind of backed up like they said they were going to do walking dead eventually they've got the street fighter ones um so there's already like several sets worth of secret of like in universes beyond secret layer in universe reprints that they need to do. And and they're not certainly not coming in this set because we've got the transformers ones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so like, and of course like they have even more plans to expand uh, universes beyond in the future. They just announced the final fantasy one uh, and the Assassin's Creed one, and then we've got the Doctor Who decks coming mm-hmm. up. They just released the 40k decks, which those will presumably need some in-universe reprints at some point. I mean, they already kind of already need them for like the Scepter of, of yeah. Grand Dynamo, <laughs> yeah, and Celestine um, or whatever. Like, there's a few cards that are just like already like ramping up in price. Yeah, um, so I think like. If they own the IP, I don't think we should expect in-universe versions of them. And uh, I don't know. They could have sold this as a secret layer, but it's I'm not going to complain if they just give us like cards kind of for free or, or like in a relatively accessible way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these are going to be in booster packs. You're probably going to be able to get them. don't know what the price tag is going to look like on them necessarily but like i can't i can't imagine it'll be small but i can't imagine it'll be like that big it's not like every single person is going to be rushing to build like an ultra magnus tactician deck you know Mm -hmm. like so you'll probably be able to get these if you want um so yeah i'm just uh there are more egregious ways to distribute these cards and they putting them into regular set boosters isn't isn't that bad to me even though they do appear not like i think they appear at the same rate like the list cards do right is that what what's going on oh don't ask me any distribution questions ever (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's something like that like they're not going to be like um obscenely rare you know so Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think these 
I'm sure these will be affordable and attainable if you're interested in one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess that's pretty much all I have to say. Is there any last thoughts you want to you wanna say before we get going or do you just want to say goodbye uh, to everybody? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll say like, mm, it's cool that they leaned into the flavor, but it does limit, it basically means these are, more limited to being commanders um, because I think most of them aren't generally useful, especially not with a like convert restriction on them. Oh yeah. So as somebody who like loves artifact creatures, just cause it's more things like mechanical hooks to hang things on and, and synergize with like these, they are introducing new decks to the format, but they aren't really enhancing the existing archetypes. I don't think. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I I think that's a pretty much spot on. Um, so yeah, that's it. Let us know what you think about the Transformers cards, good or bad. Um, I want to hear it because it's a new thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a very new thing that they're doing. Um, do you like like Living Metal? Is this something that you'd want to see in other sets? Do you like the designs? Uh, do you? Do you like the art? Like any, pretty much anything. Any any thoughts you have? Let us know. The like ways to reach us are always in the the show notes. Um, and yeah, we'll just we're gonna have a few weeks of non spoiler material. Yes. Up, so. Yeah. If you're burned out on set reviews, just you wait. Uh, we're gonna have three weeks of classic Commander Theory content. I can't believe uh, it. Before we we dive back into Brothers War preview season. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, that's that's all for now. All right. Uh, well, I want to give a brief thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Gustav, Addison, Rick, Raphael, Kyle, Laser, Charlotte, The White Clays, Hannah, James, Logan, Roger, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jamie, Matthew, Kyle, Brandon, Kevin, Jeremy, Russell, Dylan, Micah, Troy, Roxanne, Charles, Daniel, Andrew, Jason, Paul, Johan, Jonathan, Christian, Jim, Andrew, Vasilios, Logan, Frugarudel, Carl Oscar, Danny B, Mifflin, Jean-Francois, Drew, Recta, Nick, BJ, Cameron, Valerio, Zach, Quincy, Carrie, and Steven. Thank you all for supporting the show. And if you're not currently Patreon patrons but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. You can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at commander theory. And on Twitter, I am at Fat Bartleby. You can also email us at commandertheory at gmail.com. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Nick Cage. You can check him out on SoundCloud. And if you're interested in some other creative products I'm working on, I have a band you can check out. We are a pink punk, pop punk band called The Have Nots, all one word like Cosmonauts. Uh, you can listen to all of our music for free right now. You can just head over to thehavenots.bandcamp.com. That is T-H-E-H-A-V-N-A-U-T-S.bandcamp.com. And check us out. Let me know what you think. <laughs>